Hey guys, before we get started, same old business, hit like and subscribe and follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod and our website, launchpadpod.com. Today, guys, we have an amazing guest on the show. We have one of the showrunners and the writer, executive producer of Lock and Key, Meredith Averill. We are so excited to have her on the show because Lock and Key is one of Matt and I's favorite comic books. It is amazing. Written by Joe Hill. Who drew this thing, Matt? Gabriel Rodriguez. And this is an incredible book. If you have not read it, you have to go find it. Would you say it's horror? It's horror, right? It's like fantasy horror, but definitely leaning towards horror. Yeah. So the video store episode? Yeah. I don't know where we would put this if we had our own comic book store. We'd fight I about think, it. I, I think horror. I'm saying horror. All right. But this is definitely fantasy. It's, if you guys haven't checked it out, it's an amazing book. But if you haven't read it, you can watch it. Yeah. <laughs> On Netflix. It's going to be a fun series coming out on Netflix. Yeah, it just came out on Netflix last Friday, so check that out, guys. Watch it. Ten episodes. It's amazing. We got a chance to preview it, but uh, we're in the past. This is like a future message. We're in the past talking with the showrunner. It's going to be a great episode. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, welcome to Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Matt, we have a special guest in the Launchpad today. Who is it? Meredith Averill. She is a executive producer and one of the showrunners on Lock and Key. We'll get into some other stuff that you've done, but Meredith, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. We are at Netflix's office in Studio City. Technically, this is the Lock and Key Writer's Office. Whoa. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, the Netflix office is in Hollywood. So this, so, you're in the Lock and Key Writer's Office. We're in the Lock and Key Writer's Office in Studio City. We're in Meredith's office. And I've met Meredith once or twice. I knew that this was probably going to be a fun interview. She asked if we could do it in her offices. Aaron and I walked in. And immediately I felt cool because there's a couple props and like callbacks to things that happen in the show that Aaron and I have already watched. But there's also a bitchin' poster right over Aaron's head. And wouldn't you believe it? It is Nightmare 3, which is arguably one of the better. It certainly is Rumi's favorite. She also has the glove in the corner, man. Let's yeah, not like a glove that. on a stand, a Freddy glove on the stand. There's it's also like, a I'm Freddy in. candle behind you that you missed. Whoa. <laughs> I saw, and I'm leaning on a Nicolas Cage pillow. Rumi, you're leaning on a Cylon pillow. So, like, I was like, all right, we're in good company. I basically put in my office everything that my fiance will not let me have on the walls in our house. <laughs> oh, he's missing out. You have a splattering poster, which is awesome because it should be smattering, but uh, yeah. <laughs> quite correct. Scott would agree with you. Scott would agree. <laughs> but we got to preview these episodes and off to a killer start. What a cool property to work on. When, when did you become, I guess, keen to lock and key? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for saying that. I'm so glad you liked them. I was contacted about the show in May of 2018. My gosh, because we're in 2020 now, aren't we? <laughs> May of 2018. It had just moved over to Netflix. Mm -hmm. I don't know how familiar you are with the long, long development yeah. process. We'll, we'll mention that real quick. Yeah. So Netflix had just decided to move forward with the series and they were looking for someone to run it with Carlton Cuse. I read the comic, was not familiar with it before that and just completely fell in love with it. I mean, of course, like the keys are magical and fun and amazing, but like what you don't expect about it is to be so emotionally affected by this story. I reread it recently and I got choked up in the whole yeah. the whole last issue. So let's say oh. roughly like 23 pages. Yeah. I had a lump in my throat and I was like for numerous reasons. And I'm like unabashed. I was like, my dog saw me crying and I was like, bro, you got to read this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was so emotionally compelled by this family and the story. 
and these characters. And I just felt I had to be a part of it. And also the opportunity to work with Carlton, who I hadn't met prior to that, but obviously a big fan of his work. And the minute I sat down with him and we talked about what we loved in the comic and the vision for the show that we wanted to make, I would just realize we were both completely aligned on that. And I just was so excited about it. We opened the writer's room summer of 2018 and uh, worked through that till about February of 2019. And that's when we started production. Wow. Now, as you mentioned, this has had a really like rocky start, not not necessarily for you, but just in its history. I mean, this is such a cool thing. Why wouldn't you want to see it put on screen? But like other people have tried to make it. Fox has tried. Who so, yeah, tried? Like Dimension had it like back in 2009, 2010. Yeah. Then they lost the rights. It was going to be a film. Spielberg was attached yep. at one point. Mm-hmm. Then that got <laughs> dropped. They will. It got that evolved into a TV series. Then it was it moved over to Fox. Bounced with DreamWorks. It was bouncing around. Then uh, there was a pilot they actually shot. They shot it. That was around uh, mid-2011 that premiered at 2011 Comic-Con. It was well-received, but then the pilot didn't get picked up. And I get it. It's a hard property, and it it must be very difficult to create. What about it to you when you saw it? You said, I want to see that. I want to tackle that. What what was exciting about that challenge? I mean, in in addition to, you know, the just wanting to tell the story, the emotional story of this family. I think the things about it that I loved are also the things about it that have made it so difficult to adapt. Sure. Which is that it crosses so many genres. Mm -hmm. You know, as you were just saying, is it horror? Is it fantasy? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Not only is it part horror, part fantasy, it's also a family drama. It's also a murder mystery. Mm -hmm. It's also a teen romance. I mean, it's all of those things. And... That's what I love about it, but it is also, I think, what has made it so difficult to adapt because trying to find that proportion of how much do you lean into the horror in a single episode, how much do you lean into the teen stories in a single episode, really trying to find that balance is really tricky. I mean, it was definitely the biggest challenge for us, but it also is what I think makes the show so unique and so cool. Now, when you're coming into this, like we've said, all these things, and there's still like three or four other times where... It's not like someone announced they wanted to try this. They were putting money into it. They were putting time into it. Productions kept going up and down and up and down. Even if you didn't know Lock and Key before it came to your doorstep, once you saw what it was, started reading the book, I'm sure you understood that it had this commercialist history of almost getting made. Were you able to just be like, what happened before today is before today had nothing to do with me. I'm just tackling this. Or was there was there like a, a stipulation or was it daunting at all that... They could not get this bird off the ground. Did that matter to you at all? Not exactly, because I felt like when Carlton and I sat down and we decided what the version of the show is that we wanted to tell, Mm. I believed in that version so strongly that I didn't worry about, oh, is it going to fail just like the other ones? And I think the fact that there are three different versions of the pilot episode of Lock and Key is like there has to be a college course one day. <laughs> did you watch that. them or did you I have yeah, them? no, I watched them. And, the and you know Carlton Yes, Jackson yeah. Robert Scott plays Bodie in both of them mm-hmm. and also Thomas Mitchell Barnett plays Rufus in the Hulu version mm-hmm. and he plays Sam Lesser in our version. So we actually carried over two actors. That's fun, Was that though. your production's call? It was our call in that we made the decision that we wanted to cast an actor with autism to play Rufus Mm -hmm. 
in the Netflix version, which we found this incredible actor, Kobe Bird. But we really loved the actor who played Rufus in the Hulu version. And it was actually, I think, our producing director, Tim Southam, and our pilot director, Michael Morris, who said when we were looking at Sam Lesser's, said, why don't we look at Thomas? And we had him come in and read. And he's just amazing. Like, I can't wait for you to get to an episode later in the season in which Sam Lesser makes his return to the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite arcs of the whole series is sort of the, I don't know if I want to say redemption, but sort of the redemption of yeah, Sam yeah. Lesser because he's such a tragic, tragic character. So yeah, there's actually two two actors that carried over from the That's Hulu interesting. to Netflix. You have some great casting in this. I will, I will say, and we'll get into a little bit of that a little later, but you mentioned something I want to hit first is you, you talk about the family drama and how important that is. And something that you've done in the past really was a great family drama that also was a horror. And that's, I'm looking at the poster right now, The Haunting of Hill House. <laughs> and that was an incredible Netflix series. If you guys haven't seen that, check it out. It's a great ghost story, but it was wrapping um, really well-crafted family drama into this crazy ghost story, which is not easy to do. But on top of that, you have worked on a project where the house, the architecture is as much a character as the story has, you know, any of the people working on something like Key House. How difficult is it to write character for architecture? I think it was a lot of fun considering the that Key House is like another part of the family and being able to have, you know, the conversations with our production designer about the you know, more whimsical elements that we wanted to bring to it. And also right. like how lucky that we had Gabe's incredible drawings to kind of draw from, literally draw from. Yeah. <laughs> you you see, right. yeah, when you work on a show like Lock and Key, you tend to make a lot of punts. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was, it's really fun. I mean, obviously Hill House and Key House are so different. Yeah. And it was actually really helpful to have had that as a reference point because we kept saying, it's not Hill House. Hill House is a place you would not want to Airbnb. You had a it's good not a place yeah, you would yeah, want yeah. to live. It's a place that you walk in and you feel cold and like a chill runs down your spine and and there's like a, a feeling of something bad has happened here. Key House, even though it is a haunted house in its own way, I think is a place that when you walk in, you want to feel that warmth. You want to feel that it's inviting. And so we work very closely to try to get that feeling with our production designer. But I mean, I think it's fun. I, I can't wait for my for my next haunted house show. If you, if you have any ideas, let me know. <laughs> well, we're talking about the house. We're talking about how this is like a whimsical kind of fantastical thing, but it's also horror. There's also like, at least in the comic, if you go back to the comic, there's a lot of vulgarity. There's a lot of violence. There's some definitely scary moments. And there's definitely like some tons of fantasy stuff. When you know that you're tasked with bringing what's on the page, at least adapting that to screen, is there any moments or scenes in the book that stand out to you that you read and as a showrunner, as a writer, you were like, I got to get this on screen. I don't care how hard it is. This moment, this scene has to be in the show. I mean, there are tons of those from the book. Mm -hmm. The head key stuff, for sure, yes. was... I mean, it's one of our favorite keys in the room to talk about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Gabriel's splash panel of Bodhi's head is one of the more memorable yeah. splash panels. But it's also not really translatable sure. to TV unless you literally open someone's head like a lid, which could be pretty grotesque and strange. So we had to come up with our own way of doing that. I think that we knew we had to tell that th those stories. There was no way of doing lock and key without doing the head key. Sure. So it became sort of a fun challenge to say, well, okay, well, what is our version 
of that going to look like? I mean, Crown of Shadows, same thing. Mm-hmm. Like we knew we wanted to do that and lead up to that in our finale. But there was a conversation of, well, what is that going to look like? And, right. and that's where we worked very closely with our director to kind of kind of find that. I think that the visuals in the comic that are so like vibrant and expressive and amazing, those were the most difficult to to translate. And I mean, just as of yesterday, we locked our visual effects and we are premiering in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why it's so difficult. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I can yeah. tell the amount of work that goes into it as a, as a visual effects supervisor myself, seeing the amount of work and the amount of things. There's parts where you're like, is it real? Is it fake? And yeah. that's a, a testament to how good the artists were. Even some of the stuff of the house itself, we were like, is that shot yeah. a real actual is, standing? It, oh, really? Oh, right oh wow. Is, is the house real or is it just a portion? So, it's a a fa- so the exterior is a facade okay. out in a field about an hour outside of Toronto. Right. And then the interior we build on a stage. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. There are times when you watch that and you go, I know there's an artist like sweating over the notes. Oh my God. I know. Right, right, right. Well, you saw episode three, so you saw the ghosts. Saw the I ghost. wonder if you saw finished visuals or not. They said some were not finished. There was a little right. tire on that popped out. It's like some, some oh, of these okay. aren't finished yet. Yes. So, but I could tell because there's so much work goes into that. The particle yes. simulations, the, oh. the flying, the CGI characters, everything about it, the environments, there's so much work goes into it. And yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's so hard to get right, and especially when you're trying to pay homage or draw from a, a, an existing source and then also make it new and fresh for yourself. Yeah. We didn't want it to look like Casper. Right. This is our sure. consistent yeah, yeah, note. Yeah. Like, how do you make a ghost look, a ghost has seen it in a million forms before in movie and TV? Especially a child. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, you had no bones about killing a child because in like eight minutes you into your You're guilty. You know what, guy, let's be honest. He was kind of a dick. He was okay, kind of right? a dick. He kind of yeah. deserved Fuck it. That <laughs> so we're in a weird thing right now. So the way this is in real life, just so everyone knows, it's the end of January. We had a, a a date with Meredith on the books for a while. And then the beginning of essentially the week that we're in now, she was like, hey, I might be able to get you guys a couple episodes. And Rumi and I were like, yeah, we're game. So she sent over all 10 episodes yesterday. So we got 10 episodes and Rumi called was like, get over here. Let's watch these. So we like both <laughs> finished work as fucking fast as we could. Zipped over to Rumi's and we started watching. So we are three I mean, you guys are in the future listening to this. But yeah, you've probably we, watched all 10 probably, over the weekend. We yeah. I hope you have. Well, yes. But like right now, we've watched three episodes, but I think it's definitely safe to say we're going to go back and rewatch it's, the yeah. finished versions. Because what we've seen is we've been told was at least some sort of work print, not a final print, at least not mm-hmm. yet. But so far, so good. Well, I will get into killing kids. The second half of my other thing from before about <laughs> when you're reading the comic, what's something you know right away you want to do? Was there anything either that as a storyteller struck you as either excessive or you didn't think you needed or as a yeah what ended up on the cutter someone that looked at you were like i know that that's going to be logistically too big to accomplish what i want is there anything that you knew right away was either getting the axe or at least going to be changed huge one thing is that we made a decision to create a key called the identity key that combined the gender key and the skin key right um, mostly because the reaction from a lot of the writers on our staff at myself was that in 2020, the skin key, sometimes telling stories with that can be dicey. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can see that. That that makes a lot of sense. That was one thing. Another thing was we love the story of Lucas coming back and manipulating Ellie, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. you will see later sorry mm. spoiler yep, for you no that's um 
but even though it's not explicit in the comic there's an insinuation that he's also raping her big time it's a hardcore insinuation yeah, yeah. and that's that was tough for uh, so uh, you know we still play his manipulation of her which mm-hmm. is its own violation mm-hmm. but we don't go as far as to insinuate that there is also some something yeah. some, something physical there and you sure. guys took um, some of that out of the the home invasion too which i think yes. it, at the end of the day when you read that and you show it there's a big difference and 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 it probably makes the story do, doesn't change how awful it is and doesn't right. change I how intense that. these characters yeah. and i actually really like what you did with the mother character because in the comic book she's almost not there on purpose yeah but you have to ha- when you have when you really show a person on screen you have to have them say things they they have interactions but you gave her real character and real emotions and real purpose and real grief that i think the comic book kind of took away or or poured a bottle on top of yes and and i think that's something that i really appreciated was like well how are they going to show this mom is she just going to be deadpan the whole time you gave her something oh thank you i'm so glad that you felt that way yeah that was another big change was that nina is pretty much drunk the entire comic book series my least favorite character oh yeah with her but yes favorite yes yes and so we made the decision to tell the story of a woman who when we meet her she is in recovery Mm -hmm. and again sorry spoiler alert because you haven't seen it Future us saw this twice now. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> How do we push her to the place where she might go back to the bottle? Yeah. And we decided to pair that with the return when Sam Lesser returns mm-hmm. and that like return of trauma and this feeling that she couldn't protect her kids yet again would yeah. be what pushes her over the edge. And so, because I love the mending cabinet story in the comics, and, oh. and we always knew we wanted to tell that story, and it's very, it plays out very similar, great as it does in the comics. But we wanted to make it an arc to get her to that place, right? And then see her by the end bolster herself back up, because we didn't want to just lose that element from her. But you're quite right; it, like it just doesn't when you you meet her, and she, you're just not connecting to her right away in the comics. So I thought that you know you find you meet her, and she's just like on the edge. When we, you know, it, at the beginning of our series, and she's just trying to keep it together for her kids, and she's doing a pretty good job of it for yeah. a while, and then this, when the Sam Lesser return happens, it's just it just tears her apart. And it's interesting how you also then, because of that, because the comic book was like the kids are isolated because she's a drunk. Well, now you have a mom who's more present. How do you isolate the kids? Will you introduce the fact that the adults forget what's happening with the key? Because Early on, is it the first or second episode? She's walking through mirrors and oh, yeah, first finding episode. dead pirates yeah, in there. Yeah. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Which was such a cool moment. And that mirror yeah. effect was super cool. They they killed it. And like it, it, the, the mirror inside the mirror world was really cool. But the kids are now realized that they're alone from the get go, which is a great way to isolate them because it, that's such a hard thing to do. And horror movies constantly have a hard time. How do we isolate? Well, the phones don't work mm-hmm. out here. <laughs> but now that they have a mom who forgets every time, hey, remember when you went through a mirror last night? Nope. And you're like, yeah. now that the kids are alone, they have to deal with it. That isolation is such a tricky thing. I think you guys did a great job with it. But Rumi and I were talking last night about this, and, and it's a fun question to pose. When you are experiencing <laughs> something supernatural or monstrous, at what point do you just go, yeah, magic shit happened to me last night? Like, how long... Do you <laughs> after that after they first get out get yeah. in the mirror get out mm-hmm. of the mirror realize mom doesn't remember the mirror yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Kinsey and Tyler are walking outside and they say something about our magic house or something like that yeah and they say it nonchalantly and I know that they meant it ironically believing it yeah but I looked at him and I was like how many how many things have to happen before in your you, house before you say my haunted house my, my haunted, haunted house, house? Yeah. How, what is it for you what is the tipping <laughs> point it's like four 
four, maybe five times. I don't know. You know? <laughs> Although I feel like, and I've, I've yeah. used this analogy in a lot of things. Yeah. If it was just you, yeah. like if I was just in my house and some weird shit happened, yeah. I would immediately think it was me. I would think yeah. I was overtired. I was right. stupid or misunderstood what was happening. But I think when you have someone as close as your sister and both in the books and in the, in the show, they clearly have a good relationship. It's a tight family. I think when you could look at your brother or sister and be like, that you you're with yeah. that, right? You yeah. saw that you shit. You saw that happen. Yeah. You're yeah. like, oh no, that's fucked up. Yeah. And you can corroborate it with someone who you actually believe, which is why right, right, like right. like Bodhi is like an unreliable like narrator. So when right, he runs right, in right. and he's like, There's a lady in the well, you're like, Oh yeah, sure there is. Sure there is. Sure there is. But even in, in Dream Warriors, I love yeah. that, you know, the the kids immediately are like, Yeah, this is we're being attacked in our dreams, yeah. systematically attacked by a dream monster. Yeah. And the and the adults, adults are, like, are the worst. Bleh. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm a father now. My kid's only eight months, so I, there's a communication barrier if he's being menaced by Freddy Krueger in his dreams. But I'd like to think I'm open-minded enough to be like, all right, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let, let's make a tea. Let's make a cup of tea and talk about it. But, well, and I, I, I'm kind of the, I know that if something mysterious or magical happened to me, to the point, like, magical killer stalking me, mystery monster in my well, how to approach the police, I know I wouldn't just be like, No, you gotta run up. Yeah, yeah no, you hey. run right up and start giving half sentences. Yeah, I'm being, I'm being attacked <laughs> by a guy with gloves and knives and hands and stuff. I would be like, hey, I, I want you to come check something out. There's a weird thing happening. Could you just, just come check it you out? You see blood on my ceiling, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't see any Johnny Depps in this room, do you? Just confirm that zero Johnny Depps are in this bedroom. In episode one of Lock and Key, when mom walks up to that mirror, the mirror self gives her the Camille finger. Me and Rumi immediately were like, nope. no. Yeah, and like, I don't yeah. usually say that to to media that I'm watching. I'm just usually not that engaged. Even with him, like we'll make jokes, but we usually don't like respond to it. But that's the exact uh, reaction I think that you guys want is you want the audience to be like, no, no. And we're verbally saying that. And I was like, at least put a rope on, which they then do in the subsequent scene because I'm not that stupid. But like, <laughs> I was thinking like, what would my mom do? And without getting into my relationship with my mom, you know, you know, <clears throat> Marcy, I imagine if my first of all, if I could get my mom even in that room to look in the mirror, I imagine my mom would look in that mirror and my mom would do the cum finger to the evil mom in there and evil mom would be like no fucking way she'd see my mom and be like nope you win do you have siblings i do not i'm an only child really yes is it difficult to write siblings no because i think i have enough sibling stand-ins sort of in my life that i can draw from right right that no i haven't found that it's particularly difficult i've seen plenty of times when it doesn't work so the fact yeah. that they like i love just subtle moments like the way they try to be nice to bodhi even though he can be a pain you know that he's a pain to them but like when they tuck him in there's these sweet moments between oh, yeah. them and the way you know the brother and sister characters just moments where it's like we're having issues why can't we like find why can't we get on the same page about this like that stuff is really human and and what brings so much character to Something that could easily be like monster key, yeah, you yeah. Know, all the de- like you could really just focus on the keys and never get any of the depth. But you know, Matt and I were talking about how early on in a show you have a window that you can cram in as much exposition before the audience goes, "Okay, what's next?" And you guys opened it with a guy putting a key that we had never seen mm-hmm. into his chest, lighting on fire, and burning his house down. 
And we were we were joking. We're like, okay, we're gonna keep watching. Now you tell us. You t-, like I was like each other. You, tell me when the guy burning himself down loses its investment, and and now something else happens. Happens, and just when it started to happen, bam! They cut to the home invasion and the dad dying. It was like, dang, they knew exactly. Oh when. yeah. And you open that yeah. show exactly with them just when. driving towards Key House. Yes. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it, but you don't have that hook at the beginning. No, right? exactly. It was yeah. a good hook, and also I gotta good say, hook. and I wouldn't. I we pride ourselves with not slinging bullshit or, or blowing smoke, mm-hmm. but. The first scene or two with that family, even though you get a lot of exposition, you do, or at least I did, fall in love with the family. Yes. Okay. Just like in the book. And I think that's crucial yes. to the rest of everything. Oh, 100%. Working. But, but like, do, yeah. even like Uncle Dunk is flicking off the house. Aloha. I fucking <laughs> la- like, I laughed. And then Bodie catches him and he throws some aloha shit back at Bodie. And then there's a callback to that joke later. And I fucking laughed. And yes. that's normally like not what I would think. You guys can't see right now, at. but we're all flipping each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. going to be. We're, we're, we're really hoping that turns into a meme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can start For sure. It. Yeah. We'll, oh. we, we, we will do that. Uncle Dunk was great. I mean, we were oh. trying to figure out Iceman, right? Aaron Ashmore. Yeah. I think. Is that Sean Ashmore? That is Iceman. Wait, does he have a so brother? he has a brother? I don't Uh-oh. know if they're twins or if they just look ridiculously alike. Okay. Which one is colder to the touch? <laughs> Let's do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think, I think Sean Ashmore might be Iceman, okay, and okay. Aaron Ashmore is our Duncan. Oh, fun! But he is amazing. Great, yeah. And we would have loved to use him more in season one, but because the just economy of like all the stories we wanted to tell. He's definitely a part of the season, but we have bigger plans for him in season two. Season two. Yeah. This is a currently a 10 episode run is season one. Doesn't complete the entire story yet. Oh man. It's because no. like, again, past us doesn't know, but future <laughs> us can't wait for season no, two. No, we have definitely lots more stories we want to tell. That's fantastic. And also there's like the supplemental material, the stuff that comes after Key House and some of, some of the uh, additional materials any any plans to possibly adapt any of those stories yeah i mean gabe and joe are actually still work they're continuing to work on the series amazing the comic series the comic series yes and there are stories still from the original series that we know we want to tell yeah and then there's a lot of original stuff that and there's a huge cliffhanger at the end of the first season that i think very much sets up what the stakes are Oh, uh, for for our second season, let's go yeah. with, with that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of the the ancillary one shot and stuff comics you may have pulled into the sh- into the season one of this show, but there's 37 issues of the main storyline of the comic. When you get with Netflix and Netflix gives the order for 10 episodes, how do you guys plot that? When you know you have this much original source material, you know it's hot. Theoretically, you should know it's hot. You should know that you already have a fan base, at least for season one. We saw three episodes that weren't even finished yet. I'm going to say it I'm, would be very surprised if net, unless you tank it after three. But it seems so <laughs> fun. I'm imagining that it's going to get the reception we all want it to. How do you pace that to end on your first season in such a way that it is like a cliffhanger? So you could swing into season two. But do you worry about where you end it in terms of how to phrase it? And if you didn't get a season two, are you trying to make it self-contained to one season as well? Or are you just putting all the cards on the table, making it the beginning of a long stretch? It's a, a little bit of both. So the the first season is really about the mystery of who was Rendell Locke mm-hmm. and what happened 25 years ago. Okay. And that's Carlton and I, from the beginning, we were like, that is a mis- that, that, that mystery from like the mystery that's in clockwork, which was my favorite of the issues. Yeah. That is the story we want to tell. 
And we want to dole out that information slowly throughout the season. And we want our kids to be on the path of that mystery and learning more about who their father was and also trying to not make the same mistakes that he made. Mm -hmm. Um, And by the end of the season, getting to a place where they embrace their new role as the keepers of the keys. That's cool. So that's what we knew. That is the thrust of the first season. And that's the story we want to tell. And that is the story that we do tell. And then at the end of the first season is a actually there's three huge bombshells in the finale that set up. I'm all excited where we're this. going into season two. You know what? You already read them. No, past me. Super excited though. <laughs> <laughs> Future me seen it and been like, cool, cool. They did. They did a great job. I'm super, super pumped. <laughs> that for was season cool. Two. But past me is like, man, I can't wait to get home and watch more of this. <laughs> One of the things that that the comic book gets into. We must be the worst people to watch this show with, by the way, because we're like, in the book, this happened, and they're doing it. like the yeah. whole time. My wife's like, I get it. The book's different. I was like, <laughs> his wife was like watching from a couch behind us. She was like, I get it. Yeah. It's different. <laughs> Although to the to be fair, and again, not blowing smoke. Usually, at least I am shitting on that's not what it was like in the book because it's not only a noticeable change, but it changes the core of something. But specifically, like I know that in the in the comic book, he finds the ghost key first, but that's an a, an episode ender. You 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 leave with him right. walking out. You can't just have that happen in the middle of an episode. So the fact that he finds the anywhere key first and goes and gets ice cream, you're like, whoa, big twist or big change. But in the end, it has to work that way so that you're introducing how the keys work. And not just dropping the bombshell of ghost Bodie. Like that's that's such a hard thing to to work with. And also because that the anywhere key is the key that Dodge needs to get out of yeah, the right. well. Yeah. And we knew we wanted to get her out of the well at the end of the pilot. Mm-hmm. And so it does become like a key tonnage of how many keys can you introduce in one episode. So we felt like the anywhere key was the most we knew the anywhere key, we knew we wanted the the mirror key, which Joe Hill, we collaborated with him on that key. Cool. So it just became a tonnage of like, we can't also introduce the ghost key because then they start to dilute each other right, and they right, feel right. less special. There's a lot of keys that are introduced in the first like four episodes. And then there are some episodes where we don't introduce new keys. Um, so it just became a tonnage issue. But yeah, the Anywhere key we moved up because it became the most important key for Dodge. And that's how she was going to get out of the well. thematically kind of cool because yeah. it's a key to a door and the power is related to the door. Yeah. Whereas like the ghost key is related to the door, but the power is a ghost. So like the introduce the anywhere key kind of sets up these are keys to doors or to things that make things. Right. Exactly. Well, and then it creates for that. The, I love the scene when Dodge escapes and immediately goes, goes clubbing, buys a sweet dress. Oh, my eats, God. It's a lot of food. Like that montage is so cool. Yes. Yeah, so, stealing things yes. Stealing, stealing things and killing a dude in a club. Choke sex. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throws a kid in a subway. <laughs> I have to. How, how does that come up? But you were like, let's we're kill this kid. We're big proponents of killing kids. Yes. In media. So you're like, this well, you, we needed her to feel scary. Like, like she. Yeah, she's having fun. She's like you know, eating all the food at the diner and she's going shop, but like you need her to feel like she has no issue killing a kid. Yeah. And it wasn't even that big of a deal. No. It wasn't in (laughs) self-defense. No one's looking for that kid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No one's going to miss him. And he had the he had the the, the, the new key, fire the key. magic fire Made key, matchstick key is what we call it. Matchstick key, yes. interesting. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> since you got to invent keys, you want to get into inventing some keys for me? Well, let's do this. Of the keys that exist, mm-hmm. be it in your uh, cinematic universe or the book itself, what are some keys that you, or maybe one or two keys that you think are awesome that you would like to have that that already exist? I would love the head key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am a little terrified about what the inside of my brain might look like, but I think it would be really fun to revisit 
old memories. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like morbidly curious about what the inside of my head would look like, too. I don't think I would remove an emotion like Kinsey does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I would be interested to see it. I also love the music box key. Yeah. I think that, you know, would come in handy, especially if I wanted try to manipulate everyone into watching lock and key hopefully i wouldn't need a music box key but you know it's That'd okay be bitch you... in marketing right <laughs> <laughs> it's like we got a new viral marketing thing. i know Just listen to this it's like the night that the haunting of hill house premiered it was like obviously it was a friday and there we had like you know we get these every once in a while insane thunder and lightning storms that come out of mm. nowhere there was one that night and i was like i think this is netflix marketing it has to be it's amazing it, it came out of nowhere because it was october and like we're like where is this coming from so to that end if you had the head key what would your door slash space look like oh man you did such a cool thing in the show Bodie has a toy box and inside it's like an arcade it's like a chuck e yeah. cheese almost yeah and then kinsey's is a mall which was such a cool shot by the way like i was pausing it and reading signs and pausing it oh and cool i'm glad you like that, that yeah was, that, this, that like escher-esque sort exactly. of thing yeah actually before because yeah. it's, it's a tilt right yes that looks up and then it becomes escher-esque but before it became escher we had that moment of like is this a set or is this is this is this CG or is it is it is it digitally enhanced? Yeah. And then when we really start to tilt and start to see this, yeah. the escalators going in all different directions. Then I love Labyrinth, so, so cool. that yeah. was nice. <laughs> so, what would your place be? I think you know, I think like Kinsey's, it would be very organized because, mm-hmm. like her, I think like I like to keep things organized because it helps me like make sense of the world. But I think it would probably be like a container store <laughs> mixed with like an anthropology. <laughs> I love so that. it's like kind of cozy it's kind of a place you like want to spend some time like curl up but like it's also very organized and that's fun you know. <laughs> i like that Rumi, what would yours be hmm i guess i always thought of it kind of like if you've ever seen Dreamcatcher, the the movie based on the stephen king book yeah they go into memory and it's almost like stacks and stacks almost like evidence locker slash library so like you go like it it shows the concept almost head games before it was head games where you're walking through and you can find old memories. There's one character who can do that. And that is, it's like a guy walks through a door and it's just these like shelves and shelves of things and he's pulling boxes. I know for sure though, like the superhero section, we fucking huge, right? Like the childcare section, he's eight months old. It'd be pretty small. But like all of the sections that like mean something to me, be like giant. And it'd be like eating healthy, be like a box overturned kind of like in the corner the corner would be wet of the box you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's talking yeah. <laughs> what would yours look like uh comic book shop it would be parts of it are have been well organized at some point like here's the marvel section here's the dc section here's a bin full of action figure parts i mean some <laughs> of them are full some of them are in ziploc bags with all their weapons and some of them are like oh here's a ninja turtle eye just his eye and maybe maybe a grenade but you know it's from a ninja turtle you can just tell by the color of the plastic so there's going to be like endless nerdy ass debates in your head yeah. and like no hot women. Right? <laughs> Amoeba music might be a good example because oh, there's there also a DVD section. <laughs> That's where my memories are. <laughs> They're like the old, it's like a VHS tape. You just slam that in a VCR. It's in there. It's, it'd be fun. I, 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 but I, I love that thing that you guys put together because it's a fun exercise because yes, the head key is so weird and in the comic book it's off. Yeah. Like yeah. what you guys did with it was really fun and I think the most effective way you could put it in a TV show without making it like really weird oh thank you yeah that those some of our the most fun days in the room are discussing okay when we go into this character's head like okay what is their like what would their head look like what is their head door like pitching on those things 
is so so fun cool. like we all just come alive in the room when it's like a day when we're like all right what is aaron voss's head look like because by the way we go into aaron voss's head later in the season great we had so much fun doing that what is the hardest thing to pitch for what are what what were some of the days that really just it went through a lot of iterations i mean this has a lot of difficult things what's the most difficult part of lock and key for for a writer i mean well producing the episodes really yeah because in the writer's room it's all blue sky it's all like oh what would what, what would we love for this episode to have and right. so we write our scripts and we try to have producibility in mind but then when it comes down to and you know the way that netflix shows i mean i can't speak that it's all netflix shows but the way that it's structured is that you have a 24-week writer's room and then you and then you actually make the episodes after that so it's very different than the broadcast model where you're like writing and shooting at the same time right. and that's really great because it allows you to just like i'm we're just in the room we're just writing and especially for a show like lock and key where there's a lot of mysteries that you want to be teasing and so you can, it allows you to be able to go back into a script and add something in that will pay off later right but what happens then is that you lose your writers and then it's just carlton and i and oh. so when it comes to uh, production meetings and it's suddenly like, OK, guys, like we're three days over and way over budget, we're going to have to make some trims. And then he and I have to start get to get creative and to cut things back. And that's when it gets hard yeah. because some things get left on the cutting room floor. Then I can say that, though, things we had to trim when I look back, even though things that felt painful in the moment, I'm like, oh, you know what? I think we didn't really need that. You know, oh, there wasn't good. anything that we had to cut that really like hurt my soul. We always kind of found a way to make it work. And we have a we had a terrific line producer, Kevin Lafferty, who really tried to make everything we wanted work. Awesome. Yeah. In the writer's room, it's all like we try, I try to not like think about the money of it. Like, it's just like, well, what is the story right. we would want to tell? And then later we have to think about the money of it. <laughs> it's really interesting. I didn't even think uh, one of my questions was going to be making this show at Netflix differs from cable TV. And like you did. Jane the Virgin and Star Crossed and um, like a bunch of, I mean, a ton of other shows, Good Wife and whatnot. And you just mentioned it for people who don't know who aren't in the industry. You're saying that network television like that, you write, you know, two or three episodes from now's episode now while they're filming an episode now. And that's a constantly rolling thing. Whereas you're saying for Netflix, for this show, you guys had the writer's room at the beginning where you wrote the entire thing start to finish before anything started to get shot. That's like, I didn't realize that. That's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And yes, and The Haunting of Hill House was the same way. Oh, great. And it's very hard for me to think about going back to a version where you're sure. writing and shooting at the same time because it's so freeing to be able to just be thinking about the scripts. And then later you have to think about how to produce them. Sure. It just allows for more time. Like, it's the reason why so you our, definitely like yeah, that. The, the I, d- I, I prefer this. I mean, for sure. It, it, it does suck when it's just. When it's just Carlton and I are left because our writer's room is wrapped where, you know, when we get into sort of a pickle because we can't produce something, it's just like he and I become the The writer's writer's room. Pull writers back in to kind of fix. We we did have some writers who were available to go produce their episodes, Mm -hmm. but it's not I mean, they're out of their contract, so they don't aren't it's not a thing that they are expected to have to hang around for or anything or whatever. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Damn. So that's the drawback to it, but I still prefer this model of you write everything and then you produce everything. So you have so many times, and and something I love about Lock and Key is it throws all these these threads up in the air, all these cards up in the air, and then in the back half of the series they land, and the landing is so impressive because it's almost two consecutive story arcs appear, and it's the past with their father and his friends, and how this person ended up well in the well in the first place. 
it has a much deeper past the history of hill house where the keys came from the thing locked in uh, in the caverns and then the modern story arc that kind of ties it all together and that landing to see all three of those arcs come together is incredible and when you have the ability to kind of write that all out you know where your cards are landing well before we're shooting it and i've seen so many times where it feels like it must be easy when you're writing something like this to write yourself into a corner and be like, oh, crap. How do we get out of this? No, I'm a big fan of a plan. Mm -hmm. Every show that I've worked, I like we spend the first three weeks like making the blueprint for the season. I think you absolutely need that. And then you also but you allow for discoveries along the way. Mm -hmm. And I mean, one of the biggest twists is the end of the first season, which I don't want to spoil for you. No, spoil, spoil. Because we know it. It's the future. (laughs) Okay. We were breaking the finale and we knew that uh, we wanted the kids to go down to the black door and throw Dodge, what seemed to be a passed out Dodge, uh, an unconscious Dodge through the black door, uh, through the other side. And we would think that they were victorious. And then, you know, we started talking about, well, all right, well, we can't actually have them throw Dodge through the black door because then she's gone. She's our villain. So what what's going to happen? Does she have to wake up down there? What? And one of our writers, and this is really like sort of an 11th hour pitch, said, well, what if they do throw Dodge through the black door, but it's not Dodge? What if Dodge has used the identity key to turn someone else into her? Nice. Super cool. So another character who I won't spoil because I know it's future you, but still... <laughs> Yeah, this one, this one, I might not want to know. When we were breaking the episode, she said, "What if it's, what if it's another character?" And and I was, it was one of those moments in our room that, as a showrunner, you're just like, you just want to walk over and kiss that writer because you're just <laughs> like, that is fucking brilliant. And and so that's what we ended up doing. And it's a huge emotional gut punch, and it's a great moment. So it's revealed at the end of that episode. It is revealed at the end of that episode. Yeah, who that happened to. So that was not something we had from the beginning. It was something that a discovery in the moment. And then we ended up having to rejigger some things to make that work. But it was one of those things where we're like, I don't care what we have to move. Yeah. That is so fucking cool. Like, yeah. let's do that. The reverse engineering is easier yes. than, than trying to break the harder version. Yeah. And it's like, that sounds so cool. And what a great idea that, especially since you have a key that you've kind of, you, you kind of combine some keys so it works even yes. better yes. than in the comic book. It actually opens up a lot of doors <laughs> for you guys. Yeah. So speaking of doors, the black door, this is a really big piece because behind the black door is these creatures, this ethereal, a very larger than life entity that is very hard to take out of a comic book. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's very HP. It's very Lovecraftian. Yeah. It's very big. How hard was it to portray something that in a comic book is, you know, very big yeah. concept. I think, you know, for us, it was the less you see, the better. And so when you do see what is beyond the other side of the door, it's very amorphous. It's sort of this like bluish black void. Mm-hmm. We consciously didn't want to see too much and we don't travel far into that world because it's just for for us, it's uh, the less you see, the more your imagination can wonder what's on yeah. the other yeah. side, the better. So you're not seeing a lot when Dodge goes through and or whomever it is goes through. Yeah, quote unquote. <laughs> For me, and it's it also speaks to what you were talking about earlier about the sort of gore and the violence in the comic, which I think it works really well on a page. Mm-hmm. But and this is how I feel about horror in general, too. It's just the less... Sometimes it's just scarier the less you see. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think that's true. So when we made the decision to not make the series as gory and as violent, I, I think that that was a good thing for us because it doesn't, to me, it doesn't really take the teeth out of out of Dodge that she doesn't 
literally no, she throws use her kids yes. in front of subways. Exactly, Mary. exactly. <laughs> the, the teeth the, again. The teeth lands in people's reactions, and you see. You, you know, it's one thing to see the dog bite you, and it's another thing to see the person's face being bit. Yes, and that's almost worse. And yeah. it's like you guys mm. in a lot of the very emotional and disturbing moments, you're on Kinsey's face protecting Bodie, and you know how scared she is. Yeah. It's not just being scared. It's humiliating for her to be this scared because mm-hmm. she's a tough, tough chick and such a badass to everyone else. But she has this shameful moment of vulnerability that she hates. And I love this moment when the Safini group, which is a fun, fun group of characters mm-hmm. you put together, they're watching a movie. What, what are they watching? What is the movie? Oh, they watch God. The first time? I wish I could remember the oh, name. We it's a, it out. is a Safini movie. I can email you is it later. Maniac? We were, we don't. Were, Maniac is my guess. That, that's what I thought, too, because it's not Friday the 13th. No, it's a pretty deep cut because um, it was, I mean, these are expensive movies. I remember yeah. it was one I had not ever heard of, okay. but I'll look it up and, and I'll let you know. Let future, future us or past us? I will let future oh, you yes. know. <laughs> Scott's talking to her about final girls and she says some final girls don't fight. Some of them hide. And that was so cool. That was such a oh, cool man. moment. When you're coming to that conclusion, how did that kind of develop when you're like putting that? That arc for Kinsey is one of my favorite things from the comic book Mm -hmm. that, you know, we would meet this girl who has this crippling anxiety, which is something that, I mean, not just teenagers, but I think a lot of people can relate to. And that it just demonstrates the wish fulfillment of the keys that now she has this key that will allow her to remove that fear. And how exciting is that? And I think, I mean, I love the sequence when she goes into her head and and it's uh, the fear monster so scary. And then she makes a decision to 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 what what she thinks is kill it mm-hmm. and bury it. And then we get to see her live fearlessly. You haven't seen episode four yet, but yeah, we get to see what that looks like. And Amelia Jones, who plays Kinsey, uh, she's just such a star. She's incredible. And I think we we really enjoy her for a few episodes, seeing her live that way. And we feel like, oh, thank you. She just feels like she has this weight off of her shoulders and then she has to learn some hard lessons because these bad things start to happen. She takes her kid, her her friends down into the drowning cave. We do that whole story that you remember from the comic. We do it in a slightly different way. But what comes out of it is the same thing, which is me living fearlessly almost led to my friends all dying. And she has to learn that fear actually has a place. And more than that, she learns that, oh, my God, I didn't I didn't hide that that day when when Sam came and attacked the house and hold Bodhi. That wasn't me being afraid. That was me protecting my brother. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And her reframing that and Tyler helps her reframe that. And it's a really nice scene between the two of them. That's one of my favorite stories from from the comic. And one of my favorite stories that we told in the season was 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 that arc of her realizing that that actually that her fear, the fear has a place. You're telling us about some of your favorite moments of the show as someone who worked so deep in the show and someone who liked the books to begin with. What is a moment that you are proud of? Not even necessarily as a showrunner or a writer or a producer, but just like as a person who you could say, I am proud that I had a hand in that. I mean, a specific moment filming or interpret it as you wish. Hmm. Just something like. What are you going to remember most and most fondly about this this product, this project? You know, I think making TV shows is really hard, and there is an element of it that is is a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. We can't control who shows up to watch the show on February seventh, but we can control the experience that people have making the show. And I think what I'm most proud of is that we have a cast that loves each other. I mean, mm. our Locke family had Locke family Sunday night dinners in Toronto. 
That's adorable. Which is amazing. Which, by the way, I wasn't even invited to. Oh. They kept it very insular. They they <laughs> they all had like this great like bond that the mom uh, didn't cook though, right? Because no, God, no, no. They went to a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the show lives or dies by the, whether the Lock family you believe them, Absolutely. and I, that chemistry that they have, I think, on screen. It just definitely it came from it came it was off screen as well, and they loved making the show and also our writers i mean we have almost the same writers from season one returned from season two there's just a a few changes and they all love the show so much Mm. they're constantly thinking about the show texting me ideas about the show that it was such a good experience for everyone and that everyone you know is so behind it that is one of the things you can control and so that is what i'm most proud of that that people had that people had a good experience making it that's awesome yeah. that's really cool i thought i was gonna be like yeah head cue was pretty sweet but that's a, that's a much that's a i mean much better. it is pretty sweet up pretty good right? yeah. <laughs> threw that kid in a subway that was rad uh, but no that's that's amazing because everybody who works in production has a good story about a great production that was fun and then the horror story where they got yelled at the whole time yeah everybody was a jerk. and it's always those they're... shows that do well that yeah. they're like, yeah, 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 right. you're like well, fuck because it it's art right? yes like, no matter what you're doing Production wise, on it, whether you, if you're making a painting or if you're making a television show or a movie or even a comic book, that's your art, right? And if you're passionate about it, if it's something you want to be doing, theoretically, it's going to be a better yeah. product overall, right? Yes. And I think it's funny, and you hit it, was this story, whether it's in the page or on the screen, it lives and dies by that family. It's so important that you care about that family. And like you say, when you have you know, the caretakers of the family being you guys, the writers in production... If you love that family and your cast who's playing the family and, and, and the ancillary cast and the crew, and they love the, the product and the experience, like I say, I think you, you see that through the work. Just like when you look at, like, I, I love comics enough. I love original comic art. I have like a huge collection. You can see when the artist, it was just another page to them. But you can see when they sweat on that mm. page. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. can feel it. Yeah. And when they, I've gotten the experience to like talk to the artists and I've had to be like, yep, the page is $200. And I've had someone be like, I don't know if I can sell you that page when I did that. And just mm. even if you don't get that, just hearing that, yeah. you can see it in the page. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's really cool. So it's oh, really good. neat to hear you say oh, that. Good. I hope that comes across to people on screen because yeah, we, we kept waiting for the asshole to emerge and no the- assholes emerged. It was amazing. <laughs> really? Yeah, <laughs> truly. I mean that honestly. That's going to be the next book that Joe's working on. The, the asshole emerges. <laughs> the asshole emerges. What would that key look oh, like? <laughs> oh, too many visuals. Why? <laughs> Oh, well, since you asked what would that key look like, we asked earlier, Matt and I have done this in a previous episode to our listeners. If you have not listened to our lock and key episode where Matt and I invent a bunch of ridiculous keys, I think it'd be fun to pitch this to you. If you could make a key, if you had some whispering iron, what would you cast? What would your key look like and what would it do? I have thought about this. It's sort of like a, it's like a therapy session to think about like, what do you need? Mm-hmm. What, what key would you want? Yes. I think mine would be called the French fry key. Awesome. Already on board. <laughs> and it would it would turn any vegetable into a french fry, but it would keep the caloric content of that vegetable. This is a wow. smart woman. Before. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Right? I was like, see in the dark key. You're like, <laughs> you're like fucking vegetable. French fry key. French fry. <laughs> <laughs> no, see in the dark key is cool. I like uh, that. Well, well, we'll yeah. get to that, but... Yeah. I like that. So what does what the key itself, the physical key, look like? I think it, obviously, I think it has to look like a French fry. But what I mean, kind? Um, 
maybe like a crinkle fry. I'm on board. We can hang out, Meredith. I've decided. (laughs) Because if you said like a a McDonald's French fry. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. I think like a crinkle cut fry. You're Uh, correct. See, I was thinking a whole box of fries with a key off the bottom. You know, it has like, Mm, it's like the the McDonald's like red box with the fries inside of it. Like that. And what's -hmm. what's the the key part that goes into the lock? Sticks out the bottom, like a USB drive, like it sticks out the bottom. What if it was the other way around? If it was like the McDonald's fries container upended and it was one long fry that went into the lock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That could work too. Oh man. You can take this for season yeah, I two. I don't know what direction you're going, but <laughs> the show would really take a hard right turn yeah, right. if they find the French Well, we always laugh because there's like you know, in the in the comic there's just panels that have keys that they don't even do anything Correct. with. Yeah, which yeah. and we do we use a few of them. The plant key is one that awesome. we mm-hmm. we use later in the first season. But there's a key called the owl key. Yeah. Yeah. Which they, they show like a snippet or like yes. a panel or two in the Yes, comic. which we 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 aren't we we don't have any plans sorry for anyone out there that's hoping to see the owl key we don't have plans to use it in the first two seasons but we keep joking that it's sort of like the postmates key because like the <laughs> owl you just send to go do to yeah. go get stuff so we're like if we ever do want to introduce the owl key it would just the owl comes back with like a pizza or whatever <laughs> it's like maybe good. it's okay to have a key that just like does stupid shit like that and right? it doesn't have to be like light for death stakes and crazy it's just like yeah it's just like a messenger key that's that's <laughs> the thing about it and i think that's part of the fun of the comic book is when you get these moments you're like i i would watch more of that i would read yeah. more of that what? yeah come on give it back and it's like that tease those teases are super fun like there's the the key that looks like the the thread key that goes in the sewing machine and then the thread oh, comes yeah, alive yeah, yeah, yeah. and does stuff there's like mm-hmm. just little beats of that I mean, there's a lot of things in the comic book that are just weird little beat yeah, moments. The teddy bear key. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's just yeah. Almost, it's like a comic montage. Yes, the squirrel key. There's like, yes, the squirrel key. Yeah. The squirrels yes. attack yeah. him. Yes. What, what's your key, Rumi? You got a new one? Well, like I thought of it, and it's funny that you said therapy session because I realized like a shit ton of the keys that like, I came up with a couple that I thought were good suggestions. But when I you need like in my life? Yeah. when you pull back, it's like. Matt, you need to fucking get some sleep and you need to like chill out because those are the keys that I created. <laughs> but then I was thinking, am I creating a key for Matt today now? Or am I like living at Key House and there's like fucking evil dogs and shit chasing? You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Are you in danger? Or is it shit? just, yeah, or yeah, is yeah. it like regular my life? Re- my regular life, my, my best one I thought would be uh, the, re- I was calling it the rest key. And it would go to an old fashioned bed with a big wooden headboard and you would just turn that shit. And when you went to bed, whether you slept for five minutes or five hours, when you woke up, you were refreshed, full battery. Because Ooh. I don't remember the last fucking time I've had that. Yeah. So that would be great. And then I was like, no, just a chill out key where like. You have to smoke the key. The it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this here on the way, like some asshole cut me off and I was like cursing his entire lineage. And I was like, no, relax. Like chill out key. In that time, it just like lowers your blood pressure and just. Xanax key. Right. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but it was like that. That's what I was. Yeah. And then I was like, dude. You're, you're going over with boring keys. Come up with fun keys. <laughs> Seeing in the dark. Super fast key. That's when I was like, okay, those are oh, my yeah. superheroes. Super fast key is good. Like the flash type that's of thing. That's true. There really is. I mean, there's like the angel key, but that's flying. Yeah. There really that's isn't cool, a super But it's fast also key. like angel key, you're immediately outed because you see you have giant wings. Yeah. Right. You know what true. I mean? So it's like if you had something more akin to like a Superman flying mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. It seems very generic though for an mm-hmm. answer. So I'm, I'm going to go with red. Go with rest, rest key because I'm old. <laughs> I know in the comic book there's a time travel key, but I really want one that I can plug into a clock, turn that key, and time stops so I can mm-hmm. get some shit done. Because I feel like I can't do anything until everybody else is done. Like, I don't get work done at work until everybody else is gone. Yeah. And then I can start doing work because, you know, and I'm sure have it all day, you have to check in and you're always, you know, yeah. just running around the building being like, you guys need anything? Is that fire out? What do you need here? Yeah. Answer 100 emails. 
And then when you're done, you're like, oh, now I can start the yeah, job that I'm hired to do. Great. We have discussed a key like that, by the way, when we pitched uh, like new keys, that exact uh, yes. idea of a key we discussed. And then I think we moved off it because we were a little worried that it might end up feeling like um, in Heroes, like Masioka's character, yeah, you know, how he could stop, stop time. time. Yeah. And that's like the visually that's what makes that super cool yeah so we were like oh is it gonna be t- is it gonna look too much like that so we we have an interest yet but Nobody you know remembers it, that show don't I worry know. about it you do it <laughs> well, here's here's another key that i have it's one that is fresh eyes so you put it in your eye directly in your eye you turn the key and it and everything you view is from like a child's mind like you no longer have been tainted like you don't already mm-hmm. see shit that way i do a lot <laughs> but here's how, the time but what that's I, how i think this kid is nonstop. Aww. but how many times have you watched a horror movie and you're like i've seen this one before so i know what's oh. going to happen <laughs> this guy's like i would love to be able to watch friday the 13th i would love to, be able to watch first Na- time nightmare again? on elm yeah. street for the first time again and fresh eye key uh-huh. would like literally click you in and you'd be like whoa that's amazing Fun. click yeah and then have that experience again or like when your friends are like, I haven't seen this movie or read this book, or like reading your favorite book again for the first time, how mm-hmm. would you want to do that again? Think of all the times you would want to see something, experience it again for the first time, and this would just allow you to do that, except you have to jam a key in your eye, so it's kind of weird. Well, here's a hack that you could do. Okay. If, you, if that key didn't exist, you could go, you could use the head key, go inside your brain and remove that Pull memory. That, yeah. Exactly. Oh, no, they, they kind of did it, but I did, yeah. I did like the, yeah. I just like the <laughs> idea of... St- jamming a key in the wrong places where you're like oh god, god right in my eye which would be really do funny do you remember the key that you invented last night we were watching the episodes last night and I made some, jo- some joke in context of the show about the anywhere key and he looks at me and he goes you think you're funny you could use the joke key and maybe it would make your jokes funnier <laughs> This is a fucking burn key right there. <laughs> so I noticed that you have a pretty cool storyboard thing here and that's something that I feel that at least many people think about comic books that are turned into other visual media, specifically film and television. Why didn't they just shoot the comic book? Yeah, like, well, you already had the storyboards. How is it taking a comic book page or a comic book and putting that on screen, specifically in terms of shots and storyboards and whatnot, and how can you factor that into... uh, I'm motioning to the book. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, honestly, is just about what is actually producible. You know, we talked about Bodhi's head and how is that possible to to open up the lid of someone's brain and what might our version be? And another part of that was with the Crown of Shadows mm-hmm. was a big one. We knew we wanted to to do Crown of Shadows in our finale, but, you know, there was quite a bit of talk about what that would actually look like. And our our director, Vincenzo Natale, is an incredible storyboard artist and he drew the storyboards of how exactly he felt he could accomplish that and what that might look like. That what this book is, right? That here. is what this book is. Yeah, he actually put this together for me and and in for Carlton as well. And don't touch it, Rumi. It's got spoilers. <laughs> it does have spoilers. Wow, it's so freaking cool, though. <laughs> They're really yes. well done storyboards, and it was really helpful for the cast also, mm-hmm. so that they understood like what they were going to needed to be reacting to. Yeah, we think the finished product of the shadow attack is incredible. He did such an amazing job, and again, it's a lot about what you're not seeing and suggestion of the shadows sure. as yeah. opposed to in the comic. What's so you know, it's so vivid to see this like Lovecraftian shadow monster come off the wall and you know terrorize the kids. Ours is a little more, you know, the shadows aren't as defined. They're more defined in certain places, but we kind of liked the idea that the shadows would be you know a little bit more amorphous it was incredible to have to have his storyboard as a guide 
So given that, do you think, does it help hurt or does it make a difference that your original source material was a panel by panel comic? Oh, I think it absolutely helps because it was, we used it as a great guide. And also, by the way, Joe and Gabe are like a resource to us. And, you know, Joe's an executive producer on the show. He co-wrote the first episode. He was very involved and always uh, aware of the things we were planning to change. And we talked to him about all of them and he's been completely supportive. That's of, awesome. of the show. And, you know, he's he's always says like a literal translation of my comic would be boring. He's like, it needs mm-hmm. to be an adaptation, not a translation. Right. And so he's been really behind every change that we've made and excited about it and collaborating with us on the new keys and has he and Gabe have an incredible cameo in the finale that is sort of like this meta meta cameo because they have a cameo in the comic as well. Mm-hmm. It's incredible to have Gabe's drawings as a resource and and we use so much of what's in there i mean all of the keys nearly all of the keys we designed in the show exactly as the way right, yeah, he yeah, yeah. drew them they look awesome yeah. yeah so meredith thank you so much for coming on the show it's been an honor to actually get to see the show that you created and to see one of our favorite properties get some justice finally and actually get to be made so thank you for that first of all and then just thanks for sharing your thoughts with us. Um, where can people follow you? And obviously check out the show on Netflix, guys. Yeah, if you Please haven't watched seen it, all it yet, 10 episodes now this is now. the future. But if you haven't seen it yet, yeah. I'm sure we've, again, finished the whole screeners that you sent us. But by this time, we've probably watched Watch the, the show yeah. on-air show. Yeah, but aside from that, where can we follow you? What else can we see that you've done? Where else can we uh, see you things can, you've thrown up? You can follow me on Twitter at, at Mareshmare. And you can watch The Haunting of Hill House. The Good Wife, Jane the Virgin. You know, I have a very schizophrenic resume. Star-crossed. <laughs> Star-crossed, of course. Uh, I'm sure everything is on Netflix. <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so thrilled that you uh, enjoyed what you saw of the episodes. I can't wait for you to watch the rest. Oh, thank you. I'm pretty excited. This is this was a lot of fun. And the show, the first three episodes at least, have been yeah. great. Like, it really, yeah. it's doing it justice. We said it was, it's... Just different enough that people who like us were yeah, super not sure where comments. you're going with it, which is we don't exciting. Really look, there's a couple yeah. characters where like I know that that's an amalgamation between this character and this character in the book. Yes. There's another character yes. I'm like I'm not quite sure yeah. what their deal is yet, and it's cool. It's just enough change that we're interested and engaged, but also like faithful enough that we're not like hey, right. Want you to do it? You're not like, day. why isn't Tyler wearing his hat? Yeah. <laughs> Which I've gotten already from from some people. Oh. I'm like, relax. The hat. We know what we're makes doing. an Trust appearance. Trust. Yeah. I promise. You've. I gotta say, like, <laughs> I guess the best way to say it, I guess, is in three episodes that we've watched, you've earned my trust. Like, yeah. I, I'm, That's, on board I'm so now. happy to hear. Like, that. Honestly, oh, like, good. and I, oh, I mean good. that for for real. Good. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Launchpad Pod, and our website launchpadpod.com. Meredith, come back on for season two. Absolutely. Yes. Awesome. Aloha. <laughs> Aloha. <laughs> Everyone's going to be doing that. Oh, uh, we're going to make it happen. All right, guys. Yeah, yeah we, we got to blast handshake. this off. We All have right. a secret handshake. So uh, it's a high five, and we're going to do a three way high five where we blast into the middle, and then we turn our hands into a rocket ship and go straight up with a raspberry. Yeah, that's so, how we do it. it. So here we go. Okay. So we'll come in. Room we come in. That bottle. Wait. Yeah. Broken things in the All past. Right. All right. Here we go. <laughs> three, two, one. Rocket ship. <laughs> I'll do better when we do the second the second season one. <laughs> oh man, this has been great. Thank you so much again. We're the Rocketeers. This is Launchpad Podcast and we are out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.